You're listening to Pressed Podcast. Don't talk, just listen. Listen, listen, listen. Hey, y'all, welcome back to Pressed Podcast with your favorite, favorite, favorite host, Ayana Willoughby Evans. And I know it's been a couple weeks since y'all have seen me, but don't worry. This week, I'm coming harder than ever because I have a sex coach on my podcast. What? Her name is Portia Brown. Hi, Portia. How are you? Hi, I'm doing so good. Thank you so much for having me. I love your energy right now. So I'm excited for this conversation. I cannot wait for you to drop some gems for us today. But before I even go into that, because I know y'all are probably like, yeah, let's get to the sex. Hold on. Hold on one moment, please. Let's learn about Portia. Portia, who are you outside of your title and your job? Sure. Outside of my title and my job, I'm a plant mama. I am a sister. I am an auntie. I am a foodie. I live in New York City. So most of my time outside of work is spent going to restaurants and or making food. Um, And I'm also a creative. I sing a little bit. I make music a little bit. So that's a little bit of what I do in my spare time. Ooh, I love that. And I love New York. I've been twice. Do you see yourself living anywhere else? My dream in life is to be bi-continental, sort of, in some capacity, to have a residency outside of the United States and here. Um, New York is a city that I'm actually planning to leave right now for schooling and financial purposes, but I know in my heart I'm coming back. Sweet. So let's get to the nitty gritty. What is a sex coach and what do sex coaches do? Yeah, so every sex coach you talk to is going to have a little bit of a different story. That's part of what I love about this field of work and this line of work. For me, a sex coach is someone who helps hold the mirror for you and helps be a reflection for you so that you can better see yourself and see what it is that you're doing and where you are and see where it is that you want to go. I work as a guide to help people determine where am I in my sex life? What are the things that maybe I'm not happy with? What are some of the challenges I'm facing either within myself or within my partnership? And what do I dream about doing or having instead? And together we map out the steps in between those things. There are sex coaches that focus on couples. There are sex coaches that focus on polyamorous couples. There are coaches that focus on kink education and empowerment. I am someone that works primarily with women and femmes who want to reclaim their sexuality and heal their relationship with pleasure, learn to be more present during sex and intimacy, and just feel overall more confident and free. Mm -hmm. And I feel like discussing sex, you have to have this level of confidence about you. How did you reach the point where you're like, oh, I can see any client at any time and I'm not uncomfortable about this. Like I am secure in myself to talk about this with other people. That has been a long journey. I noticed mm, probably in my early 20s that I was way more comfortable talking about sex than a lot of my peers. And I was more comfortable bringing up details, not just the fun and juicy stuff, but also some of the problems I was having. Um, I noticed I was 
quicker to do that than some of my friends, which was the first sign that hmm, maybe there's something here. I also did a lot of training in college and volunteering around sex ed. So I became really comfortable having conversations with large groups of people because at that time I was facilitating for large groups of, of people. Um, like when I say large, I mean like 15 to 35 mm -hmm. or so, like classroom sizes. Um, so that helped me gain a voice and gain confidence articulating ideas around sexual empowerment, consent, STI testing, sexual health, etc. Um, and really a lot of it just came naturally. I began having conversations with people on my Instagram in DMs when I started creating content around sex health and sex education, um, which eventually escalated to a full-blown coaching business, which is where I am now. So it's been a long journey. It's been a long journey and it's taken some time, but I don't ever remember, unless I was talking to like a family member, like my mom, I don't really ever feel feel like I was shy to talk about sex or intimacy. Just to touch on the journey a little bit, how did you become a sex coach? Do you have to go to school for it? Like how, how does that happen? I started making content on Instagram. I was in between jobs and just sort of trying to figure out what was next for myself. And my boyfriend who's so wonderful is like, you are always talking about sex. You're always reading books about sex. Like you're always like low key coaching your friends. Why don't you just start making content about sex? Because at that time I had a blog, like a lifestyle blog and I wasn't really passionate about it because it was just like boring lifestyle stuff. It didn't really do anything for me. He was like, maybe you can pivot your blog into like a sex ed and sex health education space. Um, and I did that for, about six months and then the pandemic hit and once again I found myself in the position that a lot of people were in without a job collecting my stimmies and unemployment and I said I'm gonna pump as much energy into this project and see where it takes me and eventually I gained enough of a following and a little bit more traction and those conversations in the DMs got to be to the point where I was like, I need to start charging people for this. And I need to not only for myself, but I also need a way to vet people and make sure that they're good clients for me. And to actually be able to serve people, I need to speak with them on video calls. Like I can't serve people well enough texting in, in DMs. So I did a little bit of research. I reached out to a couple of other sex coaches and got some advice. And slowly but surely I built my sex coaching business. That is so cool. And I know one of the topics that you post often about on social media is just kind of reclaiming your sexuality because believe it or not, a lot of conversations that I've had with people my age, it's sort of taboo because some women just aren't sexual and that's how they feel. They, they don't feel sexual and they don't feel like they're one of those people that need it all the time. And it's ironic that you say you have those conversations with, with your friends and you were able to speak up about it because that's exactly how I feel. I absolutely, you can ask any of my friends, speak up about it. The whole purpose of my podcast is to talk about those weird things that y'all really don't want to say. So we're going to say it today. A lot of women don't feel sexual. What do they do, Portia? How do they, how do they fix it? I think we have to begin to ask ourselves a couple of questions and we have to acknowledge the role that our society plays into our perception of what it means to be a sexual person and a sexual woman or femme. Not to go into a lecture because we could literally teach a full semester just on the subject of how society's expectations of women impacts their ability to feel sexually free. But 
when we think about the role that women have or the expectations that are placed on women, it is expected of us to be completely devoted to our partners and devoted to their pleasure and devoted to their happiness, but not our own. And there's also a very particular type of sexuality that is deemed acceptable in society. And it looks a very particular way. You can look at Hollywood, you can look at movies, you can look at music videos, you can look at any media and see the sort of narrow parameters we have and expectations we have in terms of how we are expected to be sexually. And then when we enter into a relationship or we enter into a sexual situation of some sort with someone and we try to perform that, it doesn't necessarily feel good because it's inauthentic and it's a performance and not what we actually need and want. A perfect example of this is in every single movie. Uh, so everybody's watching you right now on Netflix. Right. If you're not familiar, mm -hmm. it's like a slow burn murder, mur like murderer story with a lot of sex in it. And every single scene in that show and in many other shows, the sex between a man and a woman involves penetration and Im like immediate orgasm from penetration. And the reality is most women or people with vulvas, people who are born with clitorises, are not going to orgasm immediately from penetration. And yet that's the image we're given over and over again in porn, in movies, in love scenes, in TV shows, and soap operas, right? So then we get into the bedroom and we're like, okay, like, this is what it is. <laughs> and then when that doesn't work for us, we feel like, oh, I must not be a very sexual person or I must be kind of broken or something is wrong with me when the only thing that is wrong is the image and the picture that we have been given. And on the flip side, if you are a woman who feels sexual, who has a high sex drive or is able to tap into your, that part of yourself, you're often shamed by society. If you're a person, I know I am, if you're a person who likes to talk about sex openly, if you're a person who gets into bed with, a, with another person, particularly a cis man, and you say, this is what I want, this is what I need, this is how I'd like for you to do it, there's almost like this um, energy of being taken aback or shocked from time to time, right? Especially in your younger years, in your early 20s. If you're having sex with other people in their 20s, there's this like, whoa, what is this? Like, most women just let me do whatever I want, right? And then you're receiving shame for that. So there are there are no opportunities and there is no right way to be sexual as a woman in this society. And again, we could talk for hours. We could talk until we're blue in the face about the different ways that that shows up. But for anyone that feels that way, who feels like, ah, I don't, I just don't really have that connection with my body or with my sexuality, I want you to go back in your mind and think about some of the early messages you received about what it meant to be a sexually empowered woman, what it meant to be a sexual woman, what it meant to seek out pleasure and receive pleasure, what sex was even, what were the first messages you learned about what sex was, what pleasure was, and how were they being discussed, and see if you still resonate and agree with some of that. Because whether you know it or not, until you've gone back and sort of dug it up and dusted it off, you may still be carrying some of those messages now. And they may be inhibiting you and preventing you from feeling fully sexually connected. Wow. I'm so glad you touched on movies and TV shows and things like that. Because I was sitting here thinking while you're talking, I was like, I mean, yeah, that's exactly how it is. Like penetration definitely involved 
And like you said, immediate orgasm. It's like two seconds later. And it, I always thought it was bizarre. Like there's no sort of foreplay. Like there's nothing. It's just like we're in and we're out and we're done. Like the, the woman doesn't matter. When the male has experienced their orgasm, it's done. Like especially in movie scenes and stuff like that. So I'm glad you touched on that. Yeah, I think that plays a bigger role than we often admit. For most of us, especially, you know, I'm a millennial. I'm a kid that grew up in the 90s and just got cable around the time that I was starting to tap into my sexuality. And a lot of the images of sex and intimacy that showed up for me at that time ended up not being <laughs> the kind of sex that I'm having now. It looks almost nothing like that. So how do you figure out what kind of sex that you want to have? Like, how do you know? Yeah, my perspective as a coach is that the best way to figure out what your actual desires are, what your body responds to is through solo sex. If you don't hear me say anything else on this podcast, I want you to listen to me clearly now. The most important intimate relationship you will ever have is with yourself. No one can show you or teach you about your body and what brings you pleasure better than you can yourself. Of course, as you have partnered experiences, you're going to have encounters where your body does something that surprises you. Oh, my partner is able to reach my G-spot better than I am. Or I like when they pull my hair and that's not something I can recreate for yourself. Of course, there's a benefit to having partnered experiences there's also a great benefit to solo sex. There are going to be things that you can do and things you are willing to try that you would not be able to do if somebody else had their eyes on you. It also takes away all of the pressure of, oh, this person is waiting for me to orgasm or it's their turn now or they have some need that they want met right now. It's all about you for that time that you're with yourself. And it's one of the greatest ways to make discoveries about well, what kind of sex and intimacy do I like? For people out there that feel hesitant about self-pleasure and feel hesitant about solo sex, I would encourage you to start maybe with some erotic literature or audio porn. Visual porn gets a little dicey because a lot of what we call tube porn, um, it, it can be supportive. I don't want to demonize it, but there are more ethical sources of porn, more realistic sources of porn. Tube porn, like what's readily and available, available and accessible to most people is produced with the male gaze in mind. And if you are a woman, you may find that that does not support you. There's a lot of porn out there that's being made for women by women, both erotic literature, audio porn, and visual porn. So f go out there and see what is available, see what kind of interactions people are having so you can figure out well, what are some of the things I can try with my partner and or with myself that might feel good and bring me pleasure? So you said first steps, maybe reading a book that have some spicy scenes. That way people can kind of warm themselves up to the idea if they're not open to it originally. Okay, so there's steps to this. Depending on where they are, I encounter people that already have a solo sex practice and perhaps it's sort of what I call transactional, meaning... I hop into bed and I pull out my vibrator and I make myself orgasm and I pass out in five minutes, right? That's not a bad thing to do by any means, right? However, there is a practice you can have. There's a more expansive approach you can take to solo sex that will make it more of an opportunity for you to explore yourself and your body rather than being 
goal oriented and moving towards orgasm so that you can fall asleep. Um, or I may have clients that don't have a solo sex practice. Maybe they've only had sex with other people and they've never had sex with themselves. They don't even know where to begin. How do I touch myself? How do I feel myself? How do I turn myself on? One of the, there are many things you can do, but one of the easiest steps is to find like an erotic, a piece of erotic literature or a audio porn. When you understand like, you know, sex in general and just how to pleasure yourself, then I feel like you have a more secure approach to relationships and things like that. Do you see a relationship with those two items too in your practice? With yourself and like partner selection essentially? Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Many times when we're seeking pleasure, connection, intimacy, validation from other people, and we are not able to give that to ourselves for whatever reason. And again, this is not to like demonize people that are in this place because I've been in this place, right? Many people that are listening have been in this place. Many people that are listening are in this place right now, right? Where we don't feel like we can give ourselves the intimacy and connection and validation and love that we need. So we go and seek it out from other people. Like human beings are supposed to connect, right? That's a completely normal thing for people to do, especially considering the last three years that we've had where there were restrictions on how we could connect with people. So saying all that to say, if and when you get to a place where you finally feel like I can validate myself, I can at least get myself off, right? I can at least satisfy that need and that craving. Your ability to vet people or sift through partners becomes a lot better and your standards become a lot higher. The more pleasure I found over the course of my 20s, the more pleasure I was able to give to myself, the less likely I was to um, seek a connection that wasn't fully aligned out of like desperation for sex or desire for sexual connection. Once my solo sex experiences became greater than the casual sex experiences I was having, I began having fewer casual sexual experiences because if you're not going to listen to me when I give you guidance and direction, if I was just talking to my sister about this this morning, like I'm too old to be begging you to wear a condom. I'm too old to be begging you to touch my clitoris. I'm too old to be debating whether or not you're going to eat me out and for how long. And like, I'm just too old for that. So, so the more uh, positive and pleasurable solo sex experiences I've been able to have, the more selective I have been with my partners. Absolutely. And for some people that may not be the case. Solo sex may become so empowering and you may become so aware of how your body works that you may have better casual experiences because you're able to communicate that to your partner. So it just depends. Mm -hmm. And your approach. So someone who, okay, so we've talked about single people and how solo sex could better their partner selection. And what would be your approach for people who are in relationships and they want to alter their experience with their partner? Does it start with a conversation? Does it start with a meeting with a sex coach? Like, how does that work? So I only work with women. Okay. So I do not work with couples at this point in time. My passion is helping women reconnect with their solo sex experiences and learning to articulate and communicate their sexual needs with their partners. Always, always, always the focus is going to be where are you sexually with yourself? What's your relation and connection like with yourself? And how well are you able to communicate with your partner? So if someone is coming to me and they say, you know... 
the sex I'm having, this is something that I hear a lot. So perfect example, the sex that I'm having with my partner is very performative. I find that I'm not um, present. I feel very distracted and very concerned with what my partner thinks about me, how much they're enjoying the sex, what I look like, what I sound like. Do they like what it is that I'm doing? And I want to learn to be more authentic in bed, more present in bed, and learn to communicate the things that I actually like. Another thing that happens a lot is women are faking their orgasms or just not having them at all and wanting to overcome that mixed bag of concerns. So for something like that, it would begin with a conversation. Couples who talk about sex have better sex. Couples that decide this is a safe space for conversation about sex and intimacy, this is a safe space to provide guidance and critique, this is a safe space for us to say what we like and what we don't like, those people are going to have better sex. So a lot of our work, my work between myself and my clients, involves helping them learn how to articulate the thing that they need or the thing that they want their partner to do that isn't currently happening, and then making a plan to actually have those conversations and making a plan to make it an ongoing thing because this isn't like a one and done. So if you're in a long-term relationship or even a short-term relationship and you're having sex with someone regularly, you should be having conversations about sex at least as often as you are having sex with them. What? Wow. I talked to my partner about sex and given my life is different, right? I talk about sex every day, but I talk to my partner about sex about once a week, at least intentionally. Either he brings up something or I bring up something, something we want to do or try, a reflection on sex that we're having, um, a question about something that happened while we were having sex, things of that nature. That's actually really cool. I feel like, I mean, yeah, what does a conversation hurt? Why not? It helps everything. If you if you approach it with intention, it helps everything. Why is sex in general important? Like, why is it important for a woman to understand herself and understand her needs? Why, why does that matter? Because society, I mean, does it even matter in society? We don't watch movies or TV shows and see, like, a woman as a, a sexual being. Oh, no, she's a hoe. That girl on that TV show who slept with all her, like, every, she's a hoe. No. But why, why is that? I think sex is important for different reasons for every single person. Sex is a living, breathing, ever-evolving part of our lives as individuals and also a living, breathing part of us as society. If you look at our history, like world human history, our relationship with sex has been different different during different points and times. We go through times where it's very progressive and times where it's more conservative, depending on what is happening in the world. But for me, sex is important because it helps me tap into a divine part of myself and my power. And for other women, it may be because it helps them connect with their partner. It helps them feel intimate and validated and connected. And that's beautiful and that's great. But I think for each of us as individuals, we have to determine why sex is important for each of us. And if it is, there are some people that are asexual. Asexual people can most definitely have a relationship with sex that means that sex is important to them. But for some people, it just isn't. And part of being 
sex positive and cultivating a sex positive mindset and creating a sex positive society means making room for everybody on the spectrum. People who are super into sex and that it's very important to them and it's a very uh, it's a part of their everyday lives and people for whom it's not really that big of a deal to them and they don't really need it. And have you noticed a difference uh, between, I always talk about this, the difference between your 20s and your 30s, right? So from everyone that I've interviewed who is 30 and up, they say their 20s were fun, but they were finding themselves, they didn't have any money, they were just kind of going through life, just trying to get through it. But their 30s, they had a lot more self-awareness, self-security, and a lot more money. So they could really figure out what their passions were and just kind of, you know, be secure within themselves. And that's something that I feel like everyone should have the chance to experience, just that self-security. It's very rewarding and it, it just feels good. But my question for you is, have you noticed a difference between your clients in their 20-somethings and then your clients in their 30-somethings? Oh, it's absolutely. It's so funny that you're bringing this up because I'm turning 31 in two days. So it's birthday season over Happy here. Happy early birthday. It's birthday season over here. I would I would say the difference between my clients in my 20s and my clients in my in their 30s are some of their concerns. A lot of my clients in their 30s are in long-term relationships. They may be married. Um, even the ones that are not, their concerns are slightly different. They're more inward facing. They're more about what is my sexual relationship like with myself? Why am I rushing through solo play? Why am I avoiding it? What are the traumas or socialized beliefs that I haven't released yet? Versus my clients that are in their 20s, late mid to late 20s, are more concerned perhaps with their ability to connect with other people, their ability to articulate their needs in casual situations, their overall confidence in dating, um, avoiding, um, what's the word that I want to use? Avoiding undesirable habits or what they deem undesirable habits within their sex life, such as complying with sex that they don't really want to have, feeling obligated to have sex because it's the third date and like he paid for my, he paid for my red snapper. So I guess I have to like, bust it open for them, overcoming things like that. So I would say those are the major differences, though the need for addressing socialized beliefs about who we are sexually and how we're allowed to show up, that's something that happens pretty much across the board. I don't even know if you can talk about this, but something that has surprised you throughout your profession, like you were talking to someone and they said something and I was like, oh, I've never heard that before. I've never like I've never come in contact with someone who has felt this way before. I'm just curious. It honestly happens the other way more often than not. It honestly happens they they tell me something that they think is going to surprise me and it doesn't at all. <laughs> so things like something that that is way more common than people would think and perhaps there are listeners that this is something that they do or have done. Because most of us grew up in sex negative homes where self-pleasure and masturbation was not allowed or not encouraged, we learn to masturbate in ways that are discreet, secretive. Mm -hmm. So a lot of women will come to me and say, Portia, I can have orgasms by myself, but I can only do it by cr crossing my legs and creating pressure on my vulva with my thighs. Lots of women do this. This is, super, this is 
super common. Oh and they want, to learn, they want to learn how to, if you, if you spend enough time with your legs crossed and you squeeze tight enough, you could probably get there too. Give it a try. Um, but the problem, <laughs> <laughs> the problem becomes, or the challenge becomes, our orgasms are um, conditioned. We are conditioned to orgasm in a, per, in a particular way. So whatever way you do the most frequently, that is going to be the most reliable way to get you there. So if you're someone who orgasms usually by yourself, using your hand and lying on your back, if you're in a different room and you're standing up and someone else is using their hand, it may be more challenging because it is not your most reliable way. It is not the way you are conditioned to orgasm. This is very common. So the challenge in that instance is, okay, girl, like now I'm with this man and I'm trying to orgasm and the only way I know how is to cross my legs and squeeze. Like how, <laughs> what do I do? And many of them feel a lot of deep shame and embarrassment about it because it comes from a shameful place. It comes out of the shame of being a kid and wanting to masturbate and make yourself feel good, but maybe not wanting it, wanting to do it in a way that you might get caught. Um, and they want to learn how to do it in a different way. But I can't, honestly, I can't think of anything that someone has said that surprised me or made me go, oh, I've never ever heard that. It more often than not is they're sharing something with me that they think is going to surprise me. And it, it does not because we don't talk about sex enough, so we think we're alone in our experiences. We live in these silos of shame, and we feel like, oh, no one, there's no way anyone else is faking their orgasms. Oh, there's no way that anyone else is super distracted during sex. Oh, there's no way that, you know, another thing that's really common is I, I'm the only person in the world that can only orgasm by myself. I can't have an orgasm with my partner, I can only do it by myself. All of these things are things that I talk to people about every single day. So if you are listening and you're like, oh, that resonated, please know there are tons of people that are dealing with the same sort of challenge. Oh, I absolutely love that you said that. Just normalizing it. Normalize, normalize. I know people are tired of normalizing things, but add this one to the list. There's something that you said a little earlier that I wanted to ask a question about. So is there a such thing as too sexual? Our sexuality is as unique to us as individuals as our hair texture, our complexion, our eye shape. It is completely unique to you. And for me, what is an appropriate level of sexuality or sexual contact with another person or sexual discussion is not going to be the same as the next person. That doesn't make mine superior or inferior. It just means that it's mine. Just like the fact that like, my eyes are shaped the way that they are. Like it just is. It doesn't mean, it mean it's good or bad. That's just the way my eyes are shaped. When we get into things like hypersexuality, because there is such a thing as hypersexuality, you can potentially see a level of concern if your level of sexuality and sexual interaction is keeping you from doing the things that you need to do. If you're like leaving work regularly to go fuck or go masturbate in the bathroom perhaps you should see a sex therapist and have a conversation about that but if you are just having sex more than your friends if you enjoy talking about sex more than your the women in your life or the people in your life that doesn't necessarily mean that you're too sexual it's if it's keeping you from keeping up with your responsibilities as an adult. And that's just like anything. If you're smoking too much, if you're drinking too much, like if you see a pattern with something that you're doing, 
and it's taking you away from something, then it, it probably is concerning enough to consult an expert, which is why Portia is available on Instagram. She, <laughs> what's the best way for people to contact you? So the best way to contact me if you want to work with me professionally is to go to my website. It's PortiaBrownCoaching.com, P-O-R-T-I-A. That's how I spell my first name. Um, and I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching at three different levels. I offer 90-minute one-off video calls for people that just want to get their feet wet, who maybe have a specific question that they want to do a deep dive around. We can spend 90 minutes having that conversation. And then I have a three-month and a six-month one-on-one coaching opportunity where we would work together continuously on one to three main challenges over the course of that time. If you want to learn more, that the website is the best place for you to learn all of those things. If you still have questions, hit me in my DMs. It may take me a while to get back to you, two or three days, but I will try to get back to you. <laughs> this is just the beginning. Don't let your sex conversation or your sex exploration end here. You can, of course, follow Portia at the Portia Brown on Instagram and TikTok. And then go to her website if you need a little bit more information. It is www.portiabrowncoaching.com. And that's all I have for you guys today. 